Approaches. Blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, ay. blow the whistle, uh. blow the whistle, uh. blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, yeah. blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dynasty Coaches Podcast. Uh, I'm your host here, Dylan, Coach Dylan, along with uh, Coach Charlie. Coach Nick had a uh, work emergency, so he will not be joining us. He may pop in here in a little bit, but it'll all depend on if he can get done with his work work stuff. So uh got a uh, strategy podcast here for you. Uh, we're going to go into kind of how we build our Dynasty rosters at each position what we prioritize, what we kind of wait for later, um, stuff like that. So, but first we're going to start out with uh, some news and notes. And then at the very end, I got five trades for us this time. Do our favorite, uh, favorite part of the show here, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. So let's go and get started here with our uh, news and notes. Really the only thing going on, Baker Mayfield is straight to Carolina. Um you know, they only they only gave up a conditional 2024 draft pick. Now, I don't know what conditional means on that point. I mean, it will be second round, third round. We don't know yet. But uh, I guess there's not going to be more drama in Cleveland on uh, will Mayfield play if Watson gets suspended. Um, it'll be Brissett for sure. But uh, you can see Mayfield's 2021 stats coming off kind of a down year. Um, but what do you think? Do you think, uh, first of all, do you think it would have been better to have Mayfield play in Cleveland if Watson gets, uh, gets suspended or, I mean, I guess it doesn't really much matter now, but Uh, I I think that bridge was kind of burned after the Watson trade. I don't think Mayfield was going to want to do anything and play, you know, if Deshaun Watson ends up getting suspended, you know, Baker Mayfield will say that he would have been like, oh, screw you guys, you know. Why should I do anything for you? Because mm-hmm. he could have just sat out. Um, but as for the trade, I think it's a very low-risk move for the Panthers because from what I heard, it's a late-round 2024 pick mm-hmm. that's conditional, so it's not like they're giving up a lot and they're taking on part of Baker Mayfield's salary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they see the Baker Mayfield from a couple of years ago where he was productive and helped lead the Browns to a playoff spot, and well, a hot dog, that's great news for the Panthers. And this is, you know, by default, the best quarterback we've had in a long time, considering they've been running out a wash, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, and P.J. Walker. Yeah. So, you know, it couldn't, like I, like I was telling you before the show, I meaning it really couldn't get any worse. So, no. by default, it's gotten better. And um, it's just, you know, we have to wait and see how it looks in the season. Yeah. I mean, this didn't really do anything for the Browns' weapons for you, did it? Didn't change your impact on Browns no especially with Watson likely to be out and Jacoby Brissett stepping in I mean I guess Jacoby Brissett's a little bit below Baker Mayfield so I mean that doesn't really fill me with too much excitement for any of the uh for anyone besides Nick Chubb I'm not really too excited for the Browns offense if Deshaun Watson's not going to be uh under center for sure let's go and start with uh DJ Moore on uh Carolina side um is this the best quarterback he's ever played with? I mean, you say I mean, him, but yeah, e- easily. 
considering, so, he, considering he never really had prime Cam Newton with him and yeah, he's got trash quarterbacks under center and he's still putting up, you know, a ridiculous amount of yards. And Baker Mayfield, you know, when he's on his game, he can throw the football and he can find his guys in the red zone. And that's where DJ Moore can succeed because DJ Moore is a physical receiver who's also really good after the catch. He can do everything. Yeah. That's why he's a number one wide receiver. So having a better QB option should spell positive touchdown regression for him. And we know what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. So the yardage is never in doubt. It's just, you know, him finally reaching the end zone. That's kind of what's been holding him back from reaching that upper echelon of top-notch wide receivers in fantasy. Yeah, that was my next question was, uh, I mean, he's never finished higher than 17th in fantasy, but it's because of his touchdowns. He, I mean, he dominates every other aspect of the field. Um, so it sounds like you're saying uh, Mayfield's going to make the offense better, which in turn should give DJ more more chances in the, in the red zone. Yeah, that's how it should go. I agree. I think DJ Moore is in for a massive year. Um, does he make the top 10? I think he's got the upside to do it for sure. Um, I mean, we've seen, like I said, he's spectacular in every other aspect of the game. It's the touchdowns that are hurting. So if those touchdowns jump up to, I mean, double the touchdowns to eight, do you think he makes top 10? <laughs> yeah, I mean – it's hard to argue talent-wise that there are many receivers above him, you know, besides those, like, top four or five guys. Yeah. So he could easily make that, you know, you know, top ten area, you know, like seven, eight, or nine, as yeah. long as he just, you know, finds the end zone a lot more. Because, like I said, that's the only thing holding him back. Yeah. Let's go and move on to uh, Robbie Anderson. Um, you know, he struggled since he came to Carolina, but, again, this is probably the best quarterback he's ever played with, um, both in the, in New York and Carolina right now. Um, you see his stats, uh, since he actually came to, uh, Carolina, not great at all. I mean, decent, but not great. Um, he hasn't finished higher than 27th overall, um, since joining Carolina. Do you think that changes or do you think he's right around that low end number two, high end number three? Yeah, I think he's pretty good where he's at. Robbie Anderson's always been a pretty inconsistent wide receiver for fantasy, you know, ever since he came into the league. And I don't really think that's going to change now just because he has a slightly better quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different with DJ Moore, who's a transcendent talent at the position. Um, but with Robbie Anderson, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, and, you know, a little bit – slight improvement of quarterback isn't going to change things, whereas with DJ Moore it would because DJ Moore is just a much better wide receiver. So he can he can make more out of it than someone like Robbie Anderson would because DJ Moore still has a seat, uh, you know – a ceiling that he can reach where as a Robbie Anderson, he's older and you kind of, you know, like I said, you know, you know what you're getting Robbie Anderson, you know, that's all fine and good, you know, in real life, you know, the Panthers will take that, but in fantasy, you know, it's not really great. He's kind of just like a flex start every now and then if you really need him. Yeah, I agree. Again, that's just another receiver that has a lot of talent. I mean, he had his years in New York, even without a great quarterback where he was, he was a very good wide receiver. Um, I don't know what's happened since coming to Carolina because you can't really play in the quarterback situation because he really didn't have – I mean, he's dealing with what, Sam Darnold in in uh, New York also. So, But hopefully hopefully he can, he can keep up at least what he's been doing and it doesn't go downhill because, I mean, like you said, he's a good flex in start two wide receivers and a low end – or high end uh, wide receiver three. And uh, – Three touchdown leagues or three wide receiver leagues. Sorry, um, but what about um, 
Terrace Marshall, do you think that he has anything? There's been a lot of buzz, at least on Twitter lately, about uh, Terrace Marshall being a breakout candidate. Well, he uh, certainly has some untapped potential, and we didn't really get to see too much of him last year. And that was, you know, largely in part due to the poor quarterback play for the Panthers. And, you know, like, you know, beating a dead horse, better better situation under center with Baker Mayfield now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Baker is not afraid to throw the football. Um, and they do want to take it a little more easy with McCaffrey this year. So, you know, you could see some more situations where they might, you know, throw the football as opposed to, you know, ground and pound. So that, that would mean more opportunities for all the wide receivers, including Terrence Marshall. And um, I'd like to see what he does, but it's kind of hard to make a judgment until we really see him on the football field because it's been sporadic at best. Yeah, I agree. That's one that I'm going to have to see it. I mean, he's going to be one where if he explodes week one or two, you know, he'll be the top waiver priority possibly. But as far as drafting, I guess in Dynasty he's a uh, stash and hope. That he explodes. I guess, if, like I said, there's a lot of buzz on Twitter about him being a possible breakout candidate, so this might be the time to sell since he's getting some positive hype going around. Um, but one last thing before we move on here, Baker Mayfield has targeted his tight ends more than majority of the uh, quarterbacks in the league. Um, what do, you, do you think Tommy Tremble, this affects him at all, or – are we looking at just a kind of bi-week replacement? Could be could be sneaky value, but I still don't think it's more of a more than like a tight end too. Um, For sure, he's a guy you can just plug in when when your main guy has a bye week. Until we kind of you know same thing with Terrence Marshall. Until we see a little more, we don't really know for sure. But we we do know that Baker likes to throw the ball to the tight end, as you said. You know he loved throwing in the Joku, Harrison Bryant, all those guys in Cleveland. <laughs> And it, you know, it stands the reason that he would want to target those, you know, his tight ends to Carolina too with uh, Tommy Tremble. I think Ian Thomas is still there as well. So too, right? So he could be, could be thrown to those guys. Um, but again, that's kind of a wait and see approach at tight end. For sure, I've I've been. I mean, Ian Thomas for sure. I thought he was going to be a breakout candidate a couple of years ago. I had a stash um, on a, in a few of my leagues, kind of hoping for a breakout, but that yeah. Happened. Right about whenever Greg Greg Olson uh, left was where I thought he was going to break out, and then nothing. So it's wait and see. Another waiver wire uh, pickup or a stash if uh, if I can in Dynasty. So all right, that's uh, going to wrap that up. Let's go ahead and move on here to um, how we build our Dynasty rosters. Um, we'll Let's take a look here at uh, just general notes about Dynasty. Um, how different is building a Dynasty roster compared to building a yearly roster for you? Um, I mean, it's all about age. Yeah. It really is all about age. When you redraft, your main goal is to get the best player available no matter how old they are. And that's where a guy like Cooper Cup immediately comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Because Cooper Cup was absolutely insane last year, where he's the best wide receiver in fantasy by a long shot, and he's 29 coming on 30 or 28 coming on 29, um, and that's insanely valuable if you're trying to win here and now. Whereas for Dynasty, that's a guy who, if you end up having, you're kind of like, all right, I'm probably going to want to, you know, see what I can get for him since I believe this. I'm at least of the opinion that that's the apex of his value. Or if you're in a startup, it's like, well, you know. 
I kind of want to build a younger core. So he's a guy that I have a little further down on my draft board, and I'd rather get you know some some younger players who I believe have some higher ceiling in the future. So it's all it's all about age. Getting for me, getting the younger guys, the building blocks that are going to be good for your team and help you win now and in the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, age definitely is a big part of it, um, and not as likely to target guys like AJ Green who might have something at the beginning of the year this year. Uh, Sam Watkins might be. I mean, he still could be the number one wide receiver in Green Bay, but he's getting old. He's getting old, so we don't know. Uh, we don't know how much longer he's going to be there, so he's going to fall um, a lot farther in dynasty drafts than in, uh, in yearly drafts. Um, but what position do you do you prioritize? I mean, is there a specific position, or do you just kind of go with what's available at the time? Um, who do you like to build your rosters around? I mean, it's it's all about the draft board. Um the best young player available, you know, they, and it honestly kind of depends where you end up picking in the draft too. Cause if you're picking early, you're obviously going to get one of the best young running backs, like a Taylor mm-hmm. or a Najee or, um, you know, Javante Williams, someone of that caliber, you know, stud RB one, you can plug in and just don't worry about it. Whereas if you're picking towards the back end of the round, you want a Jamar chase or a Justin Jefferson, that dynamic wide receiver one who you don't have to worry about, who you know is going to be good for five or six years. Um, but my strategy is where I, I try to get one top, like top 10 ish player, you know, or at least around that range per each position. If I can, um, you know, I, I've been able to finagle that in some of my older drafts where I can get, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I've been able to get, um, Justin Jefferson, you know, and Deandre Swift, you know, at the beginning. And then I'm also able to snag Mark Andrews as well, and then, you know, pick up maybe a slightly older quarterback, but, you know, someone like a Matthew Stafford, who I think is a top-ten quarterback, where in Dynasty, the age of a QB isn't as important because the QB shelf life tends to be a little longer. Mm-hmm. So being, just being able to get, you know, top-shelf guys per position. Yeah, uh, for me, it kind of depends on the roster build and uh, and the rules of the league. Um, I'll typically, especially Superflex, I'm going to prioritize that QB um early in the draft but without it being super flex i'm still going to go i think qb running back because those are your two uh positions that don't have a lot of studs um now qbs like you said they're going to last longer so you're going to have them for longer but i don't know those those two uh, it's so much easier to find a wide receiver right now because Positional scarcity is not like the QB and uh, running backs. So it's a lot easier to find that uh, number two number two wide receiver. Um, a lot easier than finding the number one, number two uh, running backs. Um, so I try to prioritize QB and running back first, and then I'll kind of fill in everything else. The one position that I might uh, vary on that a little bit is tight end premium. I'll go after a tight end early just because really, I mean, it's nice having that, having one of those top six tight ends on your team. Um, If you don't get one of those, you're going to be, and now, I mean, Kelsey, I would still consider top six because who knows how long uh, he's going to be going for, but I'm all about positional scarcity whenever I'm trying to build a roster and 
even even if I go to stack four or five quarterbacks, I mean I can trade those quarterbacks for later on for other pieces like a like a couple wide receivers or something like that. So that's just my strategy. I'm going to go with quarterback and running back, prioritizing them over wide receiver tight end. But um, age does play the factor, like you said for sure. Um, do you typically try to sell before the downfall, or um, do you wait, or do you sell right at their peak, or what? Do you, what do you do? I uh, my I always want to avoid holding on to a guy too long and having him rot on my roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a guy like Travis Kelsey that's a good example. You know, he's still playing at a top five level, but he's thirty three, coming on thirty four, and he, I don't know how long he's going to last. So I'm I'm kind of looking to sell him every opportunity I get. You know, because you're still going to get great value from him. You know, despite the fact that he's old, which is very rare, yeah. very rare in Dynasty. Yeah. So. I'm about getting ahead of the ball and avoiding having a guy die on my team. Exactly. That was what I was going to say is uh, I'd much rather miss out on a year of elite production and get him off my team before that downfall happens. Um, so I'm, I'm much more willing to sell the guy before the elite production ends just so he doesn't die on my team because you're, you're selling at max value at their peak. So you're going to get the most, most you can for them. So um, what about rookies compared to veterans? I mean, are you more likely to stash rookies on your bench than you are to stash veterans, say like an MVS? He hasn't really been a whole lot uh, in the past. Are you more willing to stash one of these rookie wide receivers or him? Probably one of the rookie wide receivers. Because, again, when building a dynasty roster, I'm always looking at the upside play. MVS um, is great for the here and now with Rodgers, but um, down down the road, I, I really kind of don't know what a situation like that's going to be like. Yeah, but sure. um, I guess if I'm trying to round out my roster and I think I kind of want that one small piece that kind of help push me over the edge and, you know, help me compete, getting a guy like that is, is wonderful for, you know, the guy like him. Uh, who we talking about NBS or, you know, whatever, someone, someone like that, you know, with a guy, a, a wide, you know, back end wide receiver with a good QB, same thing kind of like Alan Lazard, you know, that, that guy who is in a, in a situation where theoretically he should succeed and it can kind of help push you over the edge. But yeah. if I had to choose, I think I'd rather have the rookie. Cause again, we are talking about dynasty and that's all about age and longevity. Yeah, for sure. One more thing before we get into the uh, specific positions and how we build them. Um, do you look at the contracts, the current contract of the player and team cap space in future years, whenever you're deciding. Yeah, I do look at how, how much time they have left with their team, not necessarily how much they get paid because if they're getting overpaid, then, you know, typically they're not really much of a producer and you don't, you probably don't have them on your team or you're luckily, you know, they're not a key contributor on your team. They're kind of just, you know, a bench filler. Mm-hmm. But if they're, like, going to be an incoming free agent like Josh Jacobs is this year, that might be a bit of a sell. Where um, I actually sold Josh Jacobs um, a week ago for a 2023 first-round pick because I knew Josh Jacobs was going to, is going to be a free agent, and they just drafted Zemir White. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they could be looking at some other solutions at the running back position in Las Vegas. And, you know, Josh Jacobs could be end up in an unenviable situation in 2023. So... The guy with the guy in the contract here, you're kind of a little iffy on. You know, you don't know what the future is going to hold, so you get out while you can. 
What about for a young quarterback like, um, say, Trevor? We'll say Trevor Lawrence, but just because I can't think of a better one right now. Um, do you look at the team's next couple years salary cap expectations, knowing that they could very well give him some uh, premier weapons with that? Or is that something that, since we're looking we're looking towards towards the future necessarily with the with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, it's not necessarily we expect him to be great this year, but with all this cap space in the future years, they could give him some more weapons, better weapons than what he currently has. I guess Justin yeah, I, Fields. Justin Fields would be a great great. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think it's something you definitely need to take into consideration, but it's not the uh, the end-all, be-all. Because some quarterbacks can, you know, be good with or without weapons on them. Like, I, th- I like to think of Jalen Hurts as a good example of that because Jalen Hurts, no. you know, up until up until last year when he got Devontae Smith, was kind of, you know, whatever, let's see what you got without anything. And he was a great dual threat QB for fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. what he did what he did actually on is a different story, as I've previously stated in, you know, old episodes of the show. But Justin Fields is kind of a guy in that same mold where mm-hmm. Justin Fields is a dual threat QB where he can run and he can pass. And that can kind of offset any lack of weapons in the passing game because he can make up for it with his legs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, if the team has the money to spend to supplement him, that's only going to improve the situation for the QB and gives him every opportunity to succeed. And if he doesn't succeed, you know, all right, well, this guy isn't cutting it. Let me find a better option for my fantasy team. So that kind of also tells you, you know, is the team having enough faith in, in, in the QB? And should you have enough faith in that QB on your team? Yeah, um, I, I think I look more at uh, what the draft pick will be in the next year, projected draft pick will be in the next year, than the uh, salary cap in the next years. Um, but because in the in the in the uh, example of Justin Fields, Bears are probably gonna have a top three pick this year, I would think. So uh, I mean, they they could replace him. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, worry, I guess, going around about that. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they don't, because I actually have a bunch of shares of Justin Fields right now. But uh, that's definitely something that I look at. Um, but let's go ahead and get into our first position here: the quarterbacks. Um, how many must you have on your team before you're comfortable with your depth? For normal. If we're talking non-superflex, I want two. I'm comfortable with just two. Just mm-hmm. a guy to fill in when my starting QB is out. Um, for superflex, I want four. I think four is comfortable because the, the position is so scarce. I absolutely want to load up as early as I can mm-hmm. and get as many as I can. Mm-hmm. Um you know, with in, you know, injuries and other things, and you know, other teams are gonna want to load up early as well. So you kinda wanna beat them to the punch. Um, because if you only draft, you know, two the bare minimum and, and something happens and you got to do a bye week as well, too, you're absolutely screwed mm-hmm. because you're essentially going to have to fill in, you know, just a normal position player in your super flex spot and you're going to lose out on a lot of points. So getting as much insurance as possible is ideal. And even in just a one QB league, having, having, you know, three QBs as opposed to two is also not a bad situation. But I'm just of the opinion that in one QB, 
I can afford to only have two since the other positions become more valuable, and I could always just pick up a guy off the street since the QB position is not as big. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, in Superflex or 2QB, I would definitely want at least three um, on my roster. And my first two, I would prefer to be top 15 quarterbacks. Um, Absolutely. Once you get past that 15, it's kind of a little bit iffy and it's kind of like the Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill uh, range. But uh, definitely prioritize that uh, that position earlier so I can get two of the top 15. Um but that third quarterback, I definitely would like to get in the top 24 for sure. So, like I said, I prioritize uh, QBs quite a bit um, in both Superflex, 2QB, and 1QB. Um, but in the 1QB, I, my one quarterback, I'll have two, but my, my starting quarterback needs to be in the top 12 um, for sure. I need mm-hmm. uh, I need one, at least number one quarterback out there. So... Um, when do you typically attack QBs in a draft? Are you a first three rounds? Are you middle middle of the draft? What what are you looking at? For one QB, I'm looking at middle of the draft, seventh, eighth, sometimes even the ninth round, because a lot of times guys will drop and you can get them at a good value. Mm-hmm. But with Superflex, I'm absolutely targeting that position in the first round, sometimes even the first two rounds. So I can just lock in my guys and get them and not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. If you can get two top ten top ten QBs and not have to worry about anything else, it is a dream come true. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did a mock Superflex draft where I ended up with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and you know that's just a dream come true. And that's obviously you know a little more of a pipe dream, um, you know, because that's probably not going to happen if you're actually playing in a dynasty Superflex mm-hmm. with other people. But the 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 idea stands where you want to load up a Superflex by getting the best players at the position. Yeah, for sure. I'm a in two QB super flex. I'm I'm probably taking a quarterback with that first pick. I just like I said, I need in those in those types of leagues. I think that uh, it's the most important position out there to to lock up. Um, so two QB super flex. I'm going after quarterback at least one first, um, and then probably one in the third or fourth to kind of secure my my second uh, my second quarterback. Um, but one QB, I wait a little bit. Uh, it'll be, like you said, middle of the, um, middle of the draft. Cause like I said, you, you want that, I want that top 12 quarterback in one QB, but if, if it's 12, I mean, there's going to be, um, a lot of quarterbacks on the waiver wire that you can kind of, uh, mix and match all year long. Um, you can stream the positions, very streamable position. But uh, it's very it's, – I mean, I, I have it here. Hardest position to trade for, but easiest to trade away. Nobody wants to give up the quarterbacks in a trade, but everybody wants to acquire them. So definitely, like I said, I, I'm, even, I'm even one that, you know, whenever it's uh, super flex, 2QB, I might load up on four or five, even six quarterbacks sometimes if I'm not liking the value at any other position just for the fact that I can then I have all the quarterbacks. So people are going to be coming to me for trades and I can then trade those away for, for top value at that point. So, um, are you willing to give up more in a trade to secure a guy that you were looking for 
or are you still this is their value this is all i'm giving you yeah i'm i'm all about value 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 so even if there's a guy i like i'm not going to commit and agree just overpay you know to go and get him yeah. i'd rather just stick to the board and take somebody who i think is going to be a little more value and can still be productive so i'm not going to you're not going to catch me reaching or not reaching but you know overpaying for a player when i can just take somebody else yeah <sighs> I guess it depends on who it is. I get. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna overpay by a ton, but I might be willing to overpay a little bit to get my guy at the quarterback position because I just think it's such an important position. Um, for definitely, definitely, probably not in one QB. I'm not doing this, but in superflex and two QB, I probably will overpay a little bit to get the guy that I'm definitely uh, um, big on. But also tier tier breaks are definite uh, deciding factors for me. If I'm if I'm looking at acquiring this guy and the next guy that I'm there that is available is a lot farther down in my in my rankings than uh, the one that I'm looking at, I might try to secure that one guy. So, but uh, what do you do with rookies? Do you typically go after them? Um, big one right now is. Uh, Pittsburgh's um, Kenny Pickett. Are you are you going after him or really any rookies? Do you do you prioritize them? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, because that can kind of help build your roster from the bottom up, especially in um, a startup. That's what I was looking for. Are you comfortable um, with them being one of your starters in a super flex, or are you hoping that they're one of your three or four? Three, four quarterbacks. The latter, because even it looks like even Pickett's not going to be starting week one, and then they're going to have Trubisky start. Um, although I think that's more just a, a product of the unique starting class this year. Um, because I think twenty twenty three is a lot better, and I think twenty twenty one's twenty twenty one was a lot better as well. But beside the point, I'd I'd be more comfortable with just kind of grabbing them, but then just stashing them until they you know come out and start and break out. Like, um, in, in a Superflex rookie draft, I got Kenny Pickett at the 206, which I thought was pretty incredible value. And I'm kind of just excited to, you know, stash, stash Kenny Pickett and not have to worry about him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, – like I said, in, in rookie drafts, I'm, I'm going after quarterback position all the way. Uh, it's one of my go-tos uh, here because in the case, even in the case of I don't like the guy. I'm going to go after Des- like, a guy, like a guy like Desmond Ritter because if Marcus Mariota gets gets hurt, you don't have a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, this is something where middle of the season, somebody that had a guy like Marcus Mariota, I know that it's not the best, uh, best comparison here, but now they're going to be without a uh, quarterback because now Mariota's out. They're going to be looking to acquire a quarterback. You might get a second-round pick for Desmond Ritter next year. Or, I mean, if if they're in the hunt and they're willing to pay up, you might even get that first-round pick for Desmond Ritter where you just – you paid a, what, second, late second for Desmond Ritter this year. So you can, you can acquire value, a lot of value that way, a lot of picks, definitely in a rebuild. If you're looking to do that, I, I – Rebuilds, I always acquire as many quarterbacks as I can for that reason. 
even if I have no intention of ever starting them. Um, so, um, last question, are there any um, certain stats that you look for um, for you to be in on that player? Um, I like to look at rushing stats. If that QB can kind of be a, a, a dual threat. Because they early on, especially early on in their career, if they struggle throwing a ball, that those rushing statistics can help offset, you know, any any, you know, inefficiencies they may have in the passing game. Um, but other than that, turnovers I think are key because that those will cost you a lot of points. Yep. And if you know you're coughing up the ball a lot, you're not going to want to start that guy because you know at least blue bases if that guy's throwing you know two picks a game or he's you know fumbling the football a lot. Yep. It's not really not really worth having, you know. Yeah, I say the only uh, other stat that I would look at other than those two are accuracy. Um, does the quarterback is the quarterback able to get it to his weapons um, accurately? So you don't want somebody that's just throwing incomplete passes all the time. So let's go ahead and move on to the running back position here. Um, again, how much how many uh, must you have to be comfortable? I want at least five or six. Five or six. Running back's probably the most valuable position in in um, in the league, not super flex. Yep. Um, depending on how you know comfortable you are with the zero RB strategy, but that's a different story. Yep. Um, because you want to have your RB one, your RB two. I typically like having an RB three for flex. Um, and then I want two or three more after that for depth for <laughs> bye weeks and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, I'm more likely to have more running backs on my team than wide receivers on my team. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm on board with that. Because I think it's probably the number two most important position in in uh, Dynasty for sure because a couple of reasons. Positional scarcity, you've only got probably 20, 25 maybe that are really anything at all, and then you've kind of fallen into the, well, let's take a shot. But uh, two, you have a lot of uh, injuries to running backs throughout the year. So a guy like a Naeem Hines, um, a guy like a Tyler Algier, possibly, um, you might be able to get a lot for them whenever that running back goes down. Um, kind of like the quarterbacks, you paid a third round, fourth round pick for Tyler Algier, whatever it was. Cordero Patterson goes down, you might be able to get a second round pick for him next year. So – you're going to be able to increase your value on the player. So um, I definitely target them. What about receiving backs like a Naeem Hines or James James White? Are you targeting them at all? No, not particularly. Those are kind of guys I, I try to stay away from a little bit because it's inconsistent, you know, especially if, you know, you're on a really good team where you're going to be – you probably be running the ball more than you're going to be throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. So that kind of takes takes away from it. And, you know, even on teams where you fall behind, I, I, I guess I just don't know. I'm just not a big receiving back kind of guy. Maybe it's just a personal prejudice. But I prefer having guys who I know are going to get a significant chunk of carries. I think or I would. Have... Or, or have a chance to get a significant chunk of carries. Yeah. I don't want a guy who's just going to catch a couple passes again. I think uh, I would attack them. After all the starters are gone, that's whenever I might start looking at. All right, let's start. Uh, let's start looking at guys that might have uh, value elsewhere. 
It's definitely going to be in PPR. I'm not going after these guys, though, in standard or anything like that. It's definitely PPR only is where I will uh, target these guys. And like I said, it's going to be after after all the starters are gone. Um, I might even take a couple handcuffs before them. But uh, speaking of handcuffs, who uh, who is worth handcuffing? I mean, are you looking at guys that have big injury histories or like in the case of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones doesn't really have a injury history, but A.J. Dillon is going to get a lot of work. Um, who is worth handcuffing and who has some standalone value? Yeah, I mean, so obviously A.J. Dillon has a lot of standalone value because, you know, the Packers love giving him a lot of work because um, he's the better ground-and-pound guy compared to Aaron Jones, who's a you know better receiver. Um, Alexander Madison is 110% worth rostering as a handcuff to Dalvin Cook. We see what Alexander Madison can do when he gets his opportunities. Um, but other than that, there really aren't too many other backs worth rostering. Um, I suppose Naheem Hines for Jonathan Taylor because if Taylor went down, Hines, where I think gets some carries as well as mm-hmm. his receiving chops would make him pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gus Edwards potentially as well in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But again, there are not a lot, not a lot of names worth, you know, handcuffing because it's just it, it, we're seeing a lot more running back by committees now so it's not like you know oh no my three down back goes down this other guy is just going to step in and take over everything you yeah. kind of rather hand it over to a collection of guys and say all right i want you all to replicate the production of that one guy yeah for sure are you more likely to target a specific team and just get the top two running backs from that team or do you want to uh, split up your your um, running backs to where you only have one on each team? In the right situation, I'll take them on the same team. Like, I wouldn't have an issue having Taylor and Hines. Um, same thing with Cook and Madison. Like, again, if I can get the, if I can get the set, yeah. I have absolutely no issue with that, you know, just prepping for injury. Um, but I don't. Really, I kind of just you know would rather just play the board and see what whatever happens happens. BPA don't necessarily reach for that handcuff. Okay. Um, in a trade, are you still are you still more value um, value oriented, or are you more willing to possibly give up a little bit extra more to get that uh, that top that top running back? Yeah. Um. Like. I'll give you an example. Like if Zeke was on my team mm-hmm. and I saw Tony Paul on the board and I needed to give a little bit more to make that trade, I think I would because that's a unique situation where mm-hmm. it's an extremely valuable, extremely mm-hmm. valuable handcuff. Yeah. So, same for thing. Sure. I, think, I think I would do the same thing for Madison, but I can't really give you any other names I would be willing to, you know, overpay for. Yeah. It's like you said, those are two probably of your best uh, running back rooms in in the league. Had Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, but but uh, I mean, you're looking at. I would definitely make that move for Pollard for sure, because um, these guys these guys all have standalone value. I mean, maybe without maybe not Alexander Madison standalone value, but like we've seen in the past, Dalvin Cook goes down. Alexander Alexander Madison definitely steps into a top. 12 running back um, when he's out. So I, I would definitely think I would give up a little bit more for it, but at the same time, it's, it's only like three to five running backs 
that I would uh, give up give up more for him. Um, what about the rookies? What do you do with them? Do you? I mean, they're gonna. In the case of Brees Hall, he's probably a top. Would you say he's a top ten dynasty running back already, just because of his age? Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch. Okay. Whereas that's different in redraft, where he's probably not going to be a top ten running back in redraft. Yeah, but, no, no, uh, not at all. Dynasty for sure. He's he's up there because you're gonna have rookies though. A lot of the cases. What's that? Especially grab, 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 grab because they are tough to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially just in rookie drafts. No, I think we lost you, Charlie. Yeah, I think we lost you. Um, but yeah, I would. I definitely go after the rookies. Um, I, like I said, it's it's a lot. It's a position that I target a lot in uh, in my rookie drafts. Um, you don't see me going after a lot of wide receivers in the rookie drafts because they're so easy to pick up on the waiver wire. But uh, I guess if one falls to me at my current spot that I think is just great value, I'll take them. But I'm much more likely to take the um quarterback running back uh positions in my rookie draft because if one of them goes down you're looking at you're looking at able to to sell a top a round three pick in your rookie draft for a round two or possibly even get two round twos whatever the value is going to jump significantly if you uh if you lose that uh that starter so um Back. Sorry about that. A little technical difficulty there. No but, problem uh, at all. Um, I, what about I, stats for the running backs? Or is there any stats that you're looking for? Yeah. Um, red zone. Red zone carries. Yep. How often they're used close to the end zone? Are they going to score touchdowns for me? That's what I want to know. And I also want to know their targets. Are they catching the ball? Are they a true three down back? Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say red zone, red zone stats and uh, total touches. So, um, let's go ahead and move on to wide receivers here. Again, how many must you have to be comfortable? Six, six, maybe seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, wide receiver is a much deeper position, just mm-hmm. naturally, than running back because teams need to have three to four at least competent to good wide receivers on their team in order to succeed and you know in real life so you know you know the depth is there for fantasy so you want to grab as many as you can yeah i agree every year you have guys uh like uh dallas's guy last year he's on miami now um oh cedric wilson cedric wilson yes um you always have guys like that at the wide receiver position that nobody nobody thought was going to be anything and they end up being very good for fantasy, and you can pick them up on the waiver wire. So I think this is the position that is the easiest to pick up on the waiver wire, for sure. So Without question. Uh, I definitely – I don't want to say I punt the wide receiver position because if one falls to me that I think is great value, I'm going to I'm going to pick that. But I'm more likely to go after – I want to say number two wide receivers um, for my starters and attack those running backs, quarterbacks first. But, Absolutely. Uh, I'm of the exact same sentiment. Yeah. Running backs are at a premium, but you can get good wide receivers. It's easier to find steals of wide receivers and good values where, you know, if you wait till the fifth or sixth round 
and you just attack running back early, you can have a much more well-rounded team. Yeah. Um, how much does QB play affect your drafting of uh, of wide receivers? I mean, does it do wide receivers fall due to quarterback play, or in the case of a guy like Tyree Kill going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa, how far did he drop, if any? It plays a role, but not as big a role as people think. Like, you know, if Tyreek Hill stayed in KC, I think he's a top five wide receiver, but now he's a top 10, you know, because there's a dip, there's a dip in QB play from Mahomes to Tua. But Tyreek Hill's a dynamic receiver. I think he'd be top 10 pretty much anywhere he went. KC just happens to elevate him even more mm-hmm. um, because you have Patrick Mahomes. So I think it's a factor. But it's not, again, I, I like to say this a lot, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Mm. Because if the wide receiver is talented enough, then it really shouldn't matter who's throwing in the football. What about in the case of a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster going from Ben Roethlisberger to Patrick Mahomes now? That's a boost because we know what Patrick Mahomes is. He's a top-two quarterback in the NFL. Yep. And he makes everyone around him better. That's what's so unique about the quarterback position. So that that then that makes you just mystery, you know, top twenty five fringe top twenty wide receiver, you know, just based off of that alone. Yeah, I think uh, like you said, in the case of a wide receiver going from getting worse in quarterback play, it doesn't affect me as much because, like I said last episode, a star is a star. I mean, you're gonna have Tyreek Hill is is. Tyreek Hill for a reason. Yes, Patrick Mahomes had had something to do with it, but you get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands anywhere, and he's going to make just out-of-these-world plays like you see every single game. Whereas you're, you're going – you have Juju going this way where he's getting the upgrade. Of course, he's going to get the uh, the boost in, in the rankings because he's getting a better situation. So – Plus, we've seen Juju be good at some point. So, I, I think that he's he's got a good chance to be great again. Um, so, one way I'm I'm kind of not having an effect. The other way I'm I'm definitely increasing it. So, um, what about rookies here? Do you do you attack rookies? Um, we've kind of been spoiled the last couple of years with Justin Jefferson, um, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. Um, are you targeting rookies in these rookie drafts? Uh, absolutely. Um, because again, you know, the NFL is kind of unique compared to some of the other leagues where you have first rounders who can come in and play right away at an elite level. Mm-hmm. I mean, you certainly don't see this in baseball, Yeah, but, sure. um, you know, we've seen that year after year, wide receivers come in, you know, some expected, some unexpected, who mm-hmm. come in and produce at a top level, you know, at least a, a year or two in. And, you know, even if there's no, you know, undisputed alpha at the top of the class, like I don't think there was a true number one wide receiver in, in the class this year, you know, depending on how you feel about Drake London and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the, all of them are guys who can come in and produce right away for your fantasy team, you know. Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, even Jahan Dotson. All these first-round wide receivers are going to come in and have significant roles in their teams right off the bat. And that's, you know, that's, incre- and that's incredible. Because you can get Jahan Dotson in the second round in some of your rookie drafts, you know, if the board plays out just right. And he's someone that can come in and make an immediate impact right away. 
Same thing with a guy like Alec Pierce. The Colts need another weapon besides Michael Pittman, and Alec Pierce can come in and be that guy. The Giants are going to be using Wondell Robinson in a whole bunch of different formats and schemes. You know, there's going to be value there. So these are guys who are going to come in and play and have an impact right away, and that's that's what you want. Running backs and wide receivers are valuable as rookies. Yeah, I agree. Um, just with, with, with the way that I attack running backs and quarterbacks, I'm probably looking more at the uh, round late two, early three wide receivers that I end up targeting in the rookie dress. Not to say that if somebody like a uh, Traylon Burks were to fall to me at, at some point, at like six, seven, I'm, I'm not going to take him because obviously that's great value for somebody like that. But uh, I typically am one that will draft the later wide receivers. Um, but I, I also do a ton of research on, on rookies. Um, so I, I kind of have my targets that I'm going to go after uh, later on in the draft. But uh, I definitely do go after rookies for sure. Um, you get a good rookie wide receiver. I mean, not only is it great trade bait, but you kind of build your build your wide receiver core around them if they if they hit. So, um, last thing on wide receivers: Are there any stats that you tend to look for? Uh, yeah, red zone targets, uh, catch percentage. You know, are they dropping it a lot? Yep. yep. Um, and separation. I think it's big for me. Can they get open? Yeah, I agree. I uh, Those were the three that I actually put down. So um, let's go ahead and move on to the tight end position here, last position. Um, again, how many are you comfortable with uh, with your depth? Two, three, because tight end can kind of be random. So I, I, I'm more comfortable with three. Does that change uh, in tight end premium? In tight end premium, I want I think I want three at a minimum as opposed to two at a minimum because there's so much more value at the position. And yeah. if you're not going to get a top guy, you know, on the board, you're going to want to kind of get some guys who can all inter- interchange. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I would be comfortable with three. Um, tight end premium, I might go for. Um, but without the premium, definitely three. I want that starter going to be in the top top 12. I mean – my next question here, do you do you go after these top five tight ends, five-ish tight ends? Uh, you can throw any names in there, but Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts, Waller, Kittle, um, or do you go after um, wide receiver, or tight ends with the later rounds that have immense upside, like a TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, guys like that? Um, and then – if you do, if you do punt, miss on these top five uh, tight ends, how far are you waiting? So, if I can get Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews, I'm going to do it because those are my top two tight ends, mm-hmm. regard, regardless of ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, but tight end premium, I'm going to want to get my hands on the tight end a lot more, and I consider some of those other early guys. But if the value is not there, I'm very much willing to wait and kind of just grab a guy in the, in the later rounds, you know, however the board falls. You know, I know tight end can be a bit iffy. You know, once once you kind of get out of those top seven or eight guys, I'm willing to include Hawkinson and Dalton Schultz in that. Because um, once you get beyond that, there really is no sure thing whatsoever. And if you, if you, you know, that you just thought those value at other positions and you weren't willing to reach, 
you kind of got to just wing it and, you know, plug and play guys. You know, maybe maybe a Logan Thomas or, you know, someone like that. You know, a guy who's had history of success. But, you know, it's a bit of a question mark coming into the year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do I do try to go after one of these top five tight ends, but if I don't get them, um, I'm more than happy to kind of play the tight end stream game. Um, there's so many after, – after these top five, there's so many people, so many players that you can put in the next five to round out the top ten. I mean, it's kind of just a – Kind of crapshoot at that point. Uh, go after the guy that you're you're most in on, because like I said, there's probably ten to fifteen more that you could make a case as being uh, five to ten uh, in the in the rankings. So if I'm not able to get one of these top five, I'm waiting probably eighth, ninth round at least before I'm going to even go after a tight end. Um, so that might change a little bit in, in uh, tight end premium. I may go after one in those top seven rounds or so, um, but just so I can secure a starter. But I'm, I'm, it's not something that I'm prioritizing um, in anything but a tight end premium. So uh, what about rookies? We were getting spoiled last year with Kyle Pitts and even Pat Fryermuth uh, had a lot better play than most rookie tight ends. Um, what do you do with them? Do you go after them or have them sitting on your bench on taxi squads? Yeah, tight ends are typically a draft and stash because rookie tight ends don't typically produce. I mean, I think Evan Ingram in his first season and then Kyle Pitts last year were kind of the anomalies where they had, you know, top yeah. 10 top ten tight end seasons mm-hmm. as rookies. You know, you just don't typically see it that often because they take a little more time to adjust. <laughs> than some of the other positions in the NFL. So it's just – it's a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, I think the perfect example of that was a Brevin Jordan last year to where, you know, he – everybody drafted him to kind of sit on the bench, and then towards the end of the season he started producing some decent numbers. So uh, tight ends, usually it takes them two, three years to get going. Um, so definitely looking at uh, stashing – rookie tight ends at least for one year um but i'm not one that's going to give up on them uh year two or year three either because like i said it's going to take them a little bit to to break out we always see year two year three uh, tight ends uh get going so definitely hold on to them as long as you can um are there any certain stats or attributes with the uh tight end that you're looking for um, red zone threat because tight if you're, especially in tight end premium if your guy scores touchdowns, that's the value is through the roof. Yep. Um, and even in just in normal in, in normal dynasty, you know PPR touchdowns, mm-hmm. touchdowns, touchdowns. Yep. You want to see it because not every tight end you know is a guy who's gonna catch a lot of balls like a George Kittle or a Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. So if, if they're if they're can in getting their opportunities in the red zone, and sort of like Dawson Knox last year, where Dawson mm-hmm. Knox saw a lot of opportunities in the red zone, and that made yep. him a very viable tight end play last year. Yep. Um, I think that's the one that really stands out for me. I mean, obviously you want them catching the ball, so as long as they're not, you know, what, what's the drop percentage? How many, how many, you know, passes weren't they able to handle? Something like that. But outside of that, you know, I think those are the two that probably matter the most for tight end in my opinion. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going with that. I'm going with um, if they're one of the top two receiving uh, targets in the offense, because um, we've seen a lot of the a lot of guys like a T.J. Hawkinson, like a uh, I mean Travis Kelsey for so long, he's been one of the top two, really the only two uh, weapons in KC for a while now. Uh, Tiger Kill and Travis Kelsey. So I'm definitely going after uh, tight ends that are number two on their team or better. Um, and then also, you know, you might take a look at can the tight end block? Because if he can block, he's going to be on the field a lot more than if he cannot block. Um, nowadays, teams are looking at we got to keep our quarterback upright. We cannot lose our quarterback. He's the most important position on our, on our team. So tight ends definitely need to be able to block. Um, I know we've seen a little bit with like Rob Gronkowski, who really wasn't a blocker. He was more of just a um, go out, go up and catch it type of guy. But uh, he's the outlier. You definitely need to be able to block if you're a tight end in the NFL. So um, that will do it for the positions here. Uh, let's just go ahead and get into a couple trades here. Um we got here um, no um, info on what kind of league it is, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, Elijah Mitchell, and a 2023 first for Deshaun Watson, Javante Williams, and a 2023 second. Who you got? I think I like the Lawrence side, um, especially with the question marks surrounding Deshaun Watson, because you're mm-hmm. getting Lawrence, QB with enormous upside, who I think is due for a breakout in year two. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Uh, plus a 2023 first. Love that. And Elijah mm-hmm. Mitchell was a, a breakout last year, and he's only 23. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong. I am the biggest Javante Williams fan you're ever going to find because I have him in a lot of my leagues. But yeah. Deshaun Watson, again, I just don't know. It's it, it it's a, The question marks are concerning for me. Mm-hmm. I want I want some stability. And so I'm, I'm taking the left side on that. I agree. I mean, as as good as Deshaun Watson can be, in the NFL, we've seen him be a top three quarterback. We don't know a whole lot about his circumstances right now. We've heard all year. We've heard eight games, ten games, whatever it's going to be. We don't know. So Trevor Lawrence was a generational prospect. I get he had a bad year last year, but there's a lot of circumstances um, that caused that to happen. Um, thanks, Urban Meyer. But uh, then the fall off between Javante Williams and Elijah Mitchell probably made up close um, with that 2023 first. It's going to be, I guess it depends on the uh, position that the first is going to be in. Um, but if the team is trading for Deshaun Watson, I would think that they're probably in rebuild. I wouldn't think that a contender would probably trade for Deshaun Watson at this point. So the 2023 first might be might be decent so i would definitely take the lawrence and mitchell side for sure so moving on here 12 team super flex ppr chubb for acres and a 2023 third we got this is a little more interesting because there is a sizable age gap because chubb's entering his age 27 season Mm -hmm. and i believe cam Akers is only 22 Mm-hmm. And you're getting a third, which you know can be a, a decent guard throw and was supposed to be a good class next year. Yep. But I mean, 
talent-wise, I mean, that's that's Nick Chubb by an absolute mile. Yeah. Um, super flex PPR, 12-team, which means depth is even more scarce. Um, so I think I would take Chubb, the Chubb side, because Nick Chubb is still really good, ground and pound, Cleveland offense, especially with some question marks. We, you know, we talk, we've been talking about Sean Watson the entire episode. We have no idea what that's going to be like. We know the Browns are going to need somebody to rely on, and that's going to be Nick Chubb. I think I'm going to go the other way. I think uh, PPR is what decides it for me. Um, Akers in a in the Rams offense is probably going to catch 40, at least 40, 40 footballs, whereas Nick Chubb is getting Kareem Hunt back, and Kareem Hunt's going to take the receiving role. And I don't know. I just think the upside plus you're getting the 2023 third. Um, so I, I think I would take the Akers side. Not to mention, like you said, Chubb is 27, where we start seeing uh, rookies fall, whereas Akers is 22. Still probably got a lot, even though he's coming off of uh, the injury. So I will go there. Did we lose you again, Charlie? I'm right here. Okay. Your camera froze up, so just make it sure. Yep, nope, all good. Let's roll. Alrighty, uh next one here again, no uh no info on what type of league, but uh Devontae Adams and twenty twenty two one ten this year for Jerry Judy one eight and one three this year. Hmm. I think I'm taking the Adams side. Um and 110 gets you like a Sky Moore or a Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see as one of those two guys plus um, Devontae Adams for maybe, you know, Kenneth Walker, uh, Jerry Judy, and 108 is probably like maybe, maybe for Philadelphia or Jameson Williams if you're lucky, you know, or James Cook probably honestly is probably more accurate. Yeah. Um, so. I, I think I'd rather have the Devontae Adams side. Bonafide top five wide receiver. I don't think moving to Vegas changes that. And 110 gets you a guy who can come in and produce right away. Yeah. I think this depends on what Denver wide receiver you think is going to be uh, Russell Wilson's guy. Right. And I, I, I think I think Cortland Sutton is going to benefit the most as opposed to Jerry That's Adams. me too. That's, that's the only reason why I'm taking Devontae Adams. If you put Cortland Sutton in uh, for Jerry Judy – I'm going set inside 100%. Yeah, I think that would be enough to change it for me as well. Yeah. Next one here, uh, 10-team, super flex, start nine, half PPR, plus a half uh, tight end premium. Waller or 2024 first and Fant? Uh, I'll take Fant in the first. Uh, Tight end premium on Waller is going to be good now. But Fant is the much younger option. I think he's going to get worked into that Seattle offense. He's kind of by default one of the better options in the Seattle offense because they don't really have much else. You know, I think they're going to end up end up moving Tyler Lockett, so they're going to leave DK and a whole lot of nothing. Um, and that quarterback's going to have to throw to somebody. And a twenty twenty four first, you know, great asset to use. Whatever you want to end up doing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Waller is also older because he was a bit of a late breakout. He's twenty nine years old coming yeah. out thirty. Yep. And again, I talked about this earlier in the episode. I want to get out while I can before that collapse comes because it comes. It's it, it's coming. It's just a matter of when. I don't want to be holding on to them when it happens. Yeah, I agree. Fant, we we saw Fant be decent 
um, with Drew Locke in Denver. Um, will he continue to be decent with Drew Locke in Seattle? Who knows? Geno Smith, whoever it is. But I'm banking on Seattle not sticking with Drew Locke and um, Geno Smith next year. I'm hoping that uh, they're one of the teams that go after one of these uh, rookies coming in next year because uh, they're going to be great. So I'm banking on the fact that Seattle is going to figure that position out next year and you still have Noah Fant who is only like 24, I think. Yeah, I think he's 23 or 24. He's still really young. So he is 24. So you're going to have him for a lot longer. You're probably only going to have another two years or so from Waller, I would think, before he starts falling off. Um, so I'm banking, hopefully, on uh, out next year. Only point for first and Fant for both of us. Then our last one here. This is my favorite one. This is the what the hell trade. Jonathan Taylor in a 2023 second for Cole Komet, Desmond Ritter in a 2023 first. I mean, even if that's the 101, I'm not nope. sure what, what this guy's thinking. Nope. Uh, it's Jonathan Taylor's Jonathan Taylor. Best dynasty asset without question in all of fantasy football. Yep. Um, and giving up a 2023 second, you know, that to compound things. Yep. I just... I don't think any of that really makes much sense. You're getting, you know, a sleeper tight end and Cole Komet, all fine and good. Desmond Ritter, you know, ah, you know, he could start, whatever. And, you know, a first rounder, we don't even know where that first rounder is going to be. It's a lot of question marks. And you're getting someone, you're giving away someone who isn't a question mark in Jonathan Taylor. So this is like, oh, what the hell? What's going, what, are you, what are you thinking? You know? Yep. You're yeah, getting, there has to be one. There's always one trade where you're like, oh, what is this? Yeah, you're giving up the best player in football right now, in fantasy right now, in Jonathan Taylor. And you're getting back, not not to mention you're getting a second round pick and a very good draft pick or draft class next year for a tight end that hasn't done anything yet. People have high hopes for, but hasn't done anything yet. A quarterback that might never even start, and a 2023 first. That's the only good thing about this trade is a 2023 first. Jonathan Taylor, I've been seeing trades where he's going for three, four firsts you're giving him away for pretty much one first and maybe a couple seconds. Um, this is a bad, bad trade for uh, Mima K14. So, but that will do it for us. Um, make sure you guys uh, keep tuning in. We got, we got some good articles coming out again. Our team articles, make sure you guys uh, pay attention to that. Our other podcast ran by uh, Coach Steve and Coach Jibs. They're doing a great job on breaking down uh, off-season stuff right now. And then we've also got our potathon, uh, our charity potathon that we're going to be doing in August. Um, so make sure you guys tune into that so we can um, earn some money for the uh, Humane Society, uh, like we did last year. I think last year we made like five hundred. It's three, 300 or 400 um, for the Humane Society. So we want to try to at least double that for sure this year um, and do some good charity work. So make sure you guys are tuning into that. And uh, 
that's it. We will see you guys next week. Have a good have a good week, guys. Take care, everyone. The back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players cover this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up. Jack, I'ma head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, go.